Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. I'm your host, Colin Brandon, and with me today is... <laughs> Mark. You forget your name there, buddy. I was, I was cool. trying. So, I was concentrating so hard on not laughing. Mark, what? What fucking good start? What fucking <laughs> happened to you today? Wait, don't tell me later. Uh, <laughs> also with me today is Jason. I am Ben Young. I'm Bill Jarvis. Andrew's back. I'm and, redoing mine. I really no. <laughs> God damn it! No. You don't get it. No, I don't get it. Mark, I'm the boy this week. Uh, you you laughed so many times. Intro is just a flaming uh, dumpster fire. Okay, so. Today we're talking about Star Trek Picard, the new show from CBS All Access. Or if you don't live in the United States, you can watch it on Amazon. Lucky. Though That's interesting. That you may or may not still need to pay money for it. Pretty sure you do. Get Probably yourself Amazon a Prime. VPN. Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime, but you still have to pay money for it, I think. Oh, like you like you would like like renting a movie and stuff? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. So cool. For anyone listening outside of this uh Hemisphere. Yeah look into that and let me know so um <laughs> uh before we jump into this though ben young what do you have for me today all right um in case you forgot that you shouldn't ask harrison ford about star wars mythology he's here to remind you uh during his press tour for his new film call of the wild a u.s today usa today reporter asked ford about his role in rise of skywalker ford said it was a useful addition to the story and the continuing development of Adam Driver's character, and the chance to do another scene with Adam was great. It was a very nice answer, you know? Mm -hmm. Great. Then, the stupid reporter asked if the vision Kylo Ren saw of Han was a Force ghost. It wasn't. But uh, Ford responded with, quote, A Force ghost? I don't know what a Force ghost is. Then, in a quieter voice, Ford said, Don't tell anyone. I'm not talking loud enough for your recorder. I have no fucking idea what a Force Ghost is, and I don't care. <laughs> he knew exactly what he That's was doing when he Harrison. said that. I love Harrison Ford. I love him so much. This isn't the first time. Like People have asked him about, like, Dude, did Han shoot first? Like a million times, and he's just like, I don't know. I don't yeah, care. sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he does I've not never actually see the movies. <laughs> what the fuck's a solo? No, do you ever watch his? It, like, he literally just doesn't fucking care. They're like, Oh, what did you think about this movie? He's like, It was a sweet paycheck. What, he's, I like, mean, he's like, He's like, I narrowly said. avoided death when my plane crashed. I don't give a shit. Yeah. He dude gives no fucks. All right, continue. Sorry. No, you're good. That's that's why we're here. Um, so big news for fans of the sci-fi multiplayer shooter Overwatch. Mm. A leak via the president of the film and TV division of Act. This is this. I need to make this clear because I actually I heard the rumor and I was like, I don't I don't care. It's just a rumor right now. But we got to report it, so I looked into it today. And this was the president of the film and TV division of Activision Blizzard, Nick Van Dyck. It was his LinkedIn. That fucking sucks. <laughs> I know you usually leave room for me to Wait, interrupt, but that sucks. Is it actually Van Dyke? I think it's Van Dyke. It's D Y C K. So I'm saying. Yeah, that's, oh, that's so Van. So it's Nike Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's better. That's 100 percent better. This, this was his updated LinkedIn resume. Like he updated his LinkedIn resume, and it says, "Quote: Developed and sold an animated series based on based Blizzard's Overwatch franchise." So he didn't, he didn't even just proofread it. But uh, 
The rumor is now just, uh, the rumor places the series at Netflix, and Activision Blizzard has declined to comment, so... Yeah, but they're really good about just planting these seeds whenever they want to, so... I've been saying for years that it would make an incredible sci-fi oh, series. there's like enough it. material there to do it. That's why they're coming out with Overwatch 2, is because they, <laughs> they failed to execute the story side of the game, even though it was so rich of a world anyways, so... It mm -hmm. paid off for other games. What was the uh, the Mech game? Mech Warrior Two. I oh, love Mech, Mech Warrior. Harder. Huh? Can we Diablo. review Mech Warrior? <laughs> There's Mech One. You you. I know you played it. Titanfall. Titan. Titanfall. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Titan they AE. totally just like skipped over the uh, story aspect of it, and then Two was really successful. Mm -hmm. They were able to get funding for it, which is incredible. I enjoyed it. That was Dude. a good game. Are we gonna sure. review Titan AE anytime? Maybe someday. What about Mech Warrior? No, no, this we we games anymore. Mech Warrior We're kind of games. Games will be reserved for our Patreon once that starts. Well, how about instead of doing podcast episodes on video games, we just have we just Mil play Miller, video games. We just have Miller stream it. Oh, yeah, I, but then people got to watch Miller. Anyway, mm -hmm. hey guys, and watch me. They will. Did you like Jurassic World? No, no. Yes. It, was okay. it wasn't that bad. Yeah, was wait, wait, fun. that's the first one, right? Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, that was okay. Was okay. No, Jurassic Park is the first one. <laughs> no, of the... Anyway. Sam Neill and Kevin... Jake Flynn. Johnson and Omar Sy from Jurassic World have signed on to reprise their roles for Jurassic World 3, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Johnson and Sy will be joining Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, Mamadou Athi, Dewan DeWeiss, Justice Smith... And Daniela Pineda in the latest misunderstanding of Steven Spielberg's beloved film franchise, as well as the already announced return of Laura Dern, Sam Neill, and Jeff Goldblum. Ooh! Now, the movie comes out June eleventh, twenty twenty-one. So is Chris Pratt gonna like stab something through uh, Sam Neill? This is or the like this is the movie where they find out that Chris Pratt is Sam Neill's son. So right. can they just call it? Jurassic Park life found its way. I hope they don't. Well, he that was featured in the last one, wasn't it? Probably. I didn't see Colin. I'm gonna call it. Jeff here. Goldblum was in it, but I I didn't see it either. Because that that was in the trailer, wasn't it? I didn't see the movie either, but the trailer. He, he said I think something. He said that I think he just took mm -hmm. his shirt off in court. <laughs> Where they're going, they don't <laughs> need dinosaurs. <laughs> I was uh, I was gonna say it was gonna be called Jurassic planet but then i remembered it's already called jurassic world <laughs> <laughs> and it certainly can't be jurassic solar system we can't go that far yet we don't have jurassic space universe i think you just threw the gauntlet down yep whoever's listening over in the universal um it's a dinosaur a cosmonaut jurassic just moon all, let, no like whoever's listening jurassic solar system just reminds me of like can we get a dino crisis movie Ooh. like let's go anyway that wraps it up for the news. For more news and cool shit, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash sci-fi cross-sections, or at Twitter, at SF cross-sections. Back to you, Overlord. Beep, 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 uh, oh, thank you. Uh, the show was created by Kristen Bayer, Akiva Goldsman, Michael Shabon, and Alex Kurtzman. So I'm going to go into a little talks about those people. Uh, Bayer is a novelist, done a lot of Star Trek Voyager novels specifically. Uh, I think she's also written on some of the shows. So she's in the writer's room for both this and Star Trek Discovery. Uh, Akiva Goldsman 
also a writer, also a novelist. However, he has a little bit more under his belt. He's won an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay and the Golden Globe for Best Screenplay for A Beautiful Mind. Oh, nice. Nice, nice. So that, I, that was a good movie. Mm-hmm. So I never saw it. It's okay. <laughs> was it good or was it okay? No, I said that's okay that you oh. haven't oh. seen it. Uh, <laughs> it's a good movie. That's I've good never movie. seen it. Uh, it's okay. Oh, the t- it's okay. You're not missing anything. So, uh, he also was on the show Fringe as a writer and director and producer. Oh, I that was good. I never watched that. Um, I think I, I have. I have the whole series on uh, DVD, but I never watched it. He's done some some fun shit. Uh, Titans, Ben, is that the D- that's the DC show? Oh, uh, he wrote a couple it. episodes of that. Um, they they so, want me to pay for that. Yeah, nope. I've got I pay for too much. I buy their comic books. They can uh, they can just deal. Uh, Michael Shaban, spelled C H A. I had to look it up. Michael Cinnabon. Michael Cinnabon. <laughs> um, he was brought onto the project after they initially approached. Uh, I almost said Picard. Patrick Stewart, um, if you want to do it, and it kind of fell apart. Um, they decided maybe they're not going to go this route. But they had already approached Shabon for writing scripts, and even after the project kind of fell apart, he said, fuck it, I'm bored, and he wrote a couple scripts. Ended up being really good. They showed it to Stewart, and Stewart jumped back on board 100%, loved him. So that's pretty cool. Uh Alex Kurtzman. Um, you guys are all familiar with him, oh, right? Oh, yes. Alex mm-hmm. Kurtzman's the big dog. Yeah. Uh, he's the showrunner. Um, he has written a lot of shit that we've seen uh, with his writing partner, uh, Roberto Orsi. Um, they wrote... Uh, the Island, like Legend of Zorro, yeah. Mission Impossible 3, Transformers, Eagle Eye, Watchmen, Star Trek, Transformers again, The Proposal, Car- Cowboys and Aliens, Star Oof. Trek Into Darkness... Now you see me, Ender's Game, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, The Brothers Grimsby. Even and, Olivia Wilde. And the latest, The Mummy family. movie, which that did well, right? They, he's also <laughs> he's also done a, a ton of uh, television, um, spe- specifically Star Trek Discovery as well. Uh, I don't think he's the... He's not the showrunner on that, but he is an executive producer. Um, and then I also want to point out that he's done my beloved Hawaii Five-0. All right. So... Busy guy. You should just play the intro for that. Anyways, this has been Where in the World is Hawaii Five O. It's in Hawaii. So yeah. Hold on, I'll take up the Twitter. Those are your your big bads of the show. Um, so we're gonna dive in. Cool. Let's see what else I have. Oh, I'm sorry, what else do I have for you here? Just to throw it out there in case anyone didn't know, but it is produced by CBS Television Studios for CBS All Access. Uh, A vehicle specifically for this show. <laughs> They have no other shows on everything. Well, no. The uh, only content that I've watched on CBS All Access have been Star Trek shows. CBS All Access does very well in the summer. Uh, no, it's it actually a very, very, very successful well. uh, streaming service. The summer is, is where... Do you know how many procedurals they have on that don't fucking service? I don't know them. what a procedural is. It's the thing you do when you go into a doctor's office. Mm. Well, no, but like your, your CSI do and your NCIS is, and like all those just cop shows where they show up at the scene and fucking, you know, do 
weird and investigative shit. I hear the new Twilight Zone was good. I haven't had a chance. To I haven't it. seen it either. Um, <laughs> anyways, the show starring Patrick Stewart, Allison Pill, uh, Issa Briones, Michelle Hurd, Santiago Cabrera, and Harry Treadway. Treadway is the Romulan sexy boy. Sexy boy. He's Thank just you. a sexy boy. He's just a sexy boy. Uh, and the music was composed by Jeff Russo, who also does Discovery. Of the Russo brothers? Nope. Okay, then. <laughs> Glad we clarified it. Ben, before we jump, do you want to do a synopsis for, like, the first four episodes, or... Kind of. Like, I just kind of have, like, a synopsis for, like, the kickoff. I don't go through the whole four. That's fine, yeah. Just... But, um... <clears throat> just have a little fun. Uh... Decades after the conclusion of Star Trek The Next Generation, Jean-Luc Picard is now retired from Starfleet and living a quiet life on his vineyard in France, when he's found by a mysterious woman named Dodge. But when Dodge is assassinated, Picard must go on a journey to save the last legacy of his old friend, Data. So you need to put the... Behind that, the O Canada theme song. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah Canada. <laughs> Thank you, Miller. Okay. The Olympic that was theme. Beautiful. Thank you. And this is Scary Door. <laughs> That's good. I laughed. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think he did. So, um, just right off the bat, the show starts off with episode one, Remembrance, directed by Hanalee Culpepper. I had to look up how to pronounce that first name. What'd she do? She directed it. <laughs> I mean, in addition. Colin made a funny. She got any other uh, credits? Or she just, uh, I mean. On a little cold okay. pepper. She's known for, uh, she's done some episodes of 90210, Parenthood, Criminal Minds. Uh, 90s, 91? Revenge, no. No, the new one. Revenge, uh, Grimm. Uh, so I know you guys haven't watched the, um, the Ready Room, the kind of after show thing that they do, but. They interviewed her after that first episode, and I guess I'll bring up some of her, her points later, because I know some of you guys are going to want to talk about them, um, so I'll segue it in when it's appropriate. Hanley Culpepper did a lot of a lot of TV, but a lot of, like, what I would consider, like, higher-end TV. A lot of stuff that I like. I mean, the caliber of all the people who made this show is pretty high. Is higher end TV like inside the actor's studio? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. as soon as I said it out of my mouth, uh, it sounded very like conceited. <laughs> Today's guest, Mark. we've got Mark and Hugh Botker. Mark, how are you? You said you said out of my mouth, like yeah. said out of my mouth hole when I said that. No, because well, as we all know, you guys play a lot of D and D. He could be speaking out of his mind, like a mind oh, flayer might. Oh. But how a Mark? be hearing him then the, through the power of fucking mind magic are you you can't small? record mind magic everyone fucking knows that Miller. no but it's uh, a unless constant you have a mind magic recorder which we may have <laughs> yeah if we have a mind magic recorder turn it off <laughs> i've got dirty thoughts oh no this is gonna be lame but i just want to start off by saying i was so nervous i was excited but i was so nervous about this show uh, I didn't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. um, I'm the only one here that's actually watched Discovery so far. Mm -hmm. And it, it's good. It's not a bad show. Um, it kind of needed... It took some time to find its feet. My question for you is, and I was going to bring this up, but I feel like this is the perfect time to bring it up. Having not watched Discovery, and without going into like specifics on Picard yet, how does it compare? 
Picard first four episodes versus whatever's out there Discovery so far? Just in terms of not necessarily like story wise, obviously it's gonna be a lot different, but just in terms of cohesion. So if there was a race between Picard and Discovery, even though this came out a few years after, um, Discovery tripped and fell on its way out of the gate. Mm. It got dirty. It rolled in the ground a few times, but it picked itself up and it started sprinting. And I appreciate it. Picard gracefully left that... I don't don't know racing terms. The The gate. Gracefully left the gate and is casually casually running it's not it's not trying too hard it's trotting it, it's trotting yeah it's just doing its thing but it's, it's probably going to win yeah. so i've only seen the first i think four episodes of discovery uh and i will i will definitely say i think uh picard is taken off a lot cleaner but it also isn't really shaping itself to be a typical Star Trek show, whereas Discovery was trying to hit that same vein. So, while it is living off its legacy, it's not really trying to live up to the same uh, feel that the other that Discovery was. And I feel like that's where they kind of struggled was to make everyone feel at home in Star Trek, whereas Picard was just like. You already love all these characters, so it's easy. We can just go with a new story. So I think it had a different ability to start off smoother, and it took advantage of that. And uh, I haven't gotten to as far into Discovery as Colin has, but from what I've heard, they they hit their stride. It just took some time. So I find so I didn't care about any of these characters going into this. I've only seen Star Trek as Gene Roddenberry has intended to see Star Trek, which is while Beastie Boys is playing in the J.J. Abrams films. That's the only time I've ever Jason's seen... Jason's song is on, head off, it's Star gone. Trek. Like, I've seen some like like bits of Next Generation, I think, and I know I've watched, quote-unquote, watched movies with Colin, but it was like after like 18-hour days in New Orleans, and like I was passing out through like all of them. And not not as like a dig to any of the movies. I was just exhausted. So with that all being said, I loved this show without knowing almost anything about this. Like I was texting Colin some stupid questions going in. <laughs> like like I think at one point I'm like I'm like oh is that the Borg thingy? And you're like yes it's the Q. <laughs> but uh. I, I, I really loved this. I thought it was a lot of fun starting off. I, it wasn't overly complicated. It didn't, didn't expect you to know or love these characters going into it. It was just like, here is this old man. He was this great admiral, and now he's not. And because something happened. And we're going to explore what happened. Because I even asked Khan, I was like, did any of this shit happen in the movies with like the the synthetic rebellion and stuff like that? And, and it didn't, so. Nope entirely new thing. Though I do love that they are still holding on to this canon with the whole uh, Romulus being destroyed. That mean to me that's really cool because obviously we know with the J.J. Abrams movies it kind of creates this new alternate timeline Um, but at the very beginning like the reason the Romulans go back in time is because that sun exploded and whatnot. So and destroyed Romulus. So that doesn't happen in any of the Star Trek 
Next Generation movies? No. I thought that was like the plot of a movie. No, that was a divergent timeline. And that... No, no, no. I, I, I thought the sun's exploding was was in a movie, but now I've just realized, no, yeah, you're that right. Was oh, in, that was in J.J. Abrams' movie, but huh. that happens in the... In the regular timeline. Yeah, I think they, they, call, the, back they, call, they, think they call it the prime timeline. Right, and then they go back in time and make the Kelvin timeline. Yes. The prime line. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's it's so all, wild. Yeah, it's all connected. I'm glad that they still, like, stuck with that. Yeah. Um... Like respect to the showrunners, like it's it could have been so easy to just be like, Man, "Fuck JJ." You think you think Star Wars fans are bad when you start fucking with the Star Trek canon? People die. There's yeah, like death, there's like death threats. <laughs> like, but they could have easily been like, you know, like I don't like Beastie Boys and like completely thrown it all out. But You're right, yeah. they didn't, and thank God because yeah, who doesn't like Beastie Boys? I, stupid people. Yeah, there's there's probably a handful out there, maybe a few, one or two. Um, so. What I wanted to say, just right out of the gate here, since uh, Colin is keen on making gate analogies this evening, I want to continue with the gate analogy. Just wait till we do Stargate. Not the Stargate episode. Just wait till we do Stargate. Remember, it's not Stargate. (laughs) Maybe talk about uh, racehorses as well. So what I would say with the first episode, it was a primer on how you come back and how you do what they tried to do in a way that was both graceful and elegant. Not unlike a thoroughbred racehorse. I say that. I hate you so much right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, I say that because I feel like when you're dealing with a property like this, and I'm a TNG boy. I've never really been a Star Trek like nerd fanboy, but TNG was on in my household. That was my dad's jam. So we watched TNG. Some of my first memories as a human being alive on this planet are watching Godzilla movies. And watching TNG, so like this is part of my DNA, part of my sci-fi DNA, and really a part, a really big part of why I love sci-fi so much. So this, I was hyped for this. Like I really didn't have a, a bunch of like pre-release, um, you know, uh, pre-release kind of stuff that I delved into. I just wanted to go into this blind and just kind of see what came of it. I think the last thing I saw was the announcement when uh, you know. Patrick Stewart came out and did the mic drop. You know, I'm coming back, you know. Mm. Earl Grey. <laughs> By the way, that was a terrible impression. Terrible impression, but if you get a chance, look up Brent Spiner doing the fucking uh, Patrick Stewart impersonation. You will literally flip out. It is spot on. There are moments where I thought it was literally Patrick Stewart, but I saw Brent Spiner. I didn't understand what was going on. Anyways. He's a synthetic. He can replicate. <laughs> no, it's it's those deep yeah. fakes. God He's damn. a replicant. Um, His Jason, sorry. goes continue. down like a nice mint julep to continue the uh, horse racing. Yeah, just oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I got it. We have kind of a nice image now of like a mangrove covered, you know. Yeah. This, it's great. A man in a white suit and a hat with a beard. Well, hello like there. <laughs> Colonel Sanders? Yeah. Could be. Colonel Sanders bet many dollars on racehorses. How do you think he got his chicken so good? He won that recipe. No, I've listened to the dollop. That never happened. I don't know what the dollop is. We're on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jason. What the fuck is this? Quit talking about sour cream, man. So basically, my whole point with all that is that I feel like what they did here, at least so far, because we're only, we're what, a little under halfway into the season so far? Yeah. I think it's, it's 10 episodes, right? Yeah. So what we have so far is like the textbook primer on how you 
you do nostalgia without pandering. Like, in my opinion, thus far into the show, it's just done so tactfully and with such grace. I mean, I keep coming back to that, but, like, this was so easy to fuck up on paper. Like, this was so easy to fuck up. You could easily just rely on, you know the i guess cultural relevance of like the characters you could easily just have all these characters popping up or oh hey you know hey data gotta go you know on another mission got the ship or you know whatever like you could have easily done that but they didn't they're 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 weaving i think so far a really interesting story and they're taking it in really interesting directions and i love that you know coming into it like there's characters that are no longer around like there's characters that have died there's you know some characters we see that we recognize i think episode four had like a cool like oh shit okay this is happening now i know i was like whoa this is awesome but you can say it we're doing spoilers it was done i know but episode four of ten yeah but it was done so Uh tastefully that it's and i think what's great is you know they're weaving in kind of these appearances from these old characters but they nailed it with the new cast like the new cast is interesting they stand on their own like i I, i'm already invested like i want to follow these characters Mm -hmm. so i think it's great that um and it's a testament to the, the writing team the production team but also really i think patrick stewart you can tell he wants to be here at 80 years old, this is what he wants to be doing. I, I sat and I told Jess that because she was watching the end of the fourth episode with me earlier tonight. Like, you can tell he's it's an impassioned performance, which is great to see. And I, I think that really takes it to the next level as far as being a fan of it. You're invested. Definitely. And it helps a lot that... Um like you said, like the, these, this new cast stands on its own, but they also work to create a whole new plot that like people like me don't need to worry about. Like I don't need to worry about like what happened at the end of Insurrection or you know where what happened to Data. Like it, does Data even die in the movies? It, I know he dies, but they bring him back. Data right? dies in Nemesis, uh, but they bring him back. He right? supposedly downloaded his memories. Spoilers. For Nemesis, I didn't see it. Okay. Well, they. I hate you. It's been I didn't, twenty years. I didn't see the twenty-five. Good. Movie. It's been almost twenty fucking. Oh wow. Okay. I've seen that fucker in theaters. Yep. Oh, it's bad. It was so I had my little lolly um, in my. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I love that. You no, know, like they kind of wanted to not be as committal with it in the movie, and like there was like a predecessor to data that was not as advanced and he tried to download his memories into that Dado. and it didn't catch but like also that was the one that that card saw at the at the place right they opened up the drawer and it was the thing that looked like yes data. yes that yeah, was it's like, like it might have happened yeah. but yeah so okay that's that's interesting i just think what you were laughing the predecessor about something else. Data is duty. <laughs> I was going to say datum. Datum. Like a singular datum, yeah. Jason said duty, and I was like, <laughs> well, there it goes. That's the funniest thing I'll ever say so often. So, I mean, this, Sorry, bud. This, is deep, this is deep into TNG territory, but lore. brother did have a... Er, brother, Data did have a twin brother named Lore. Ah. Oh. And his predecessor was named B4. Get it, B4, and... Yeah, lore before horse. I don't know. Lore before data. Okay. Right. Yeah, so um, I, I just appreciated that I could, like, be inv- I was invested off the bat because I didn't need all this backstory involved in it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you said that in a group chat, too, didn't you? It was something to the extent of, like, well, you don't even have to be a, 
you know a fan of yeah. Star Trek to be a fan of this show. Like Absolutely. it's a, just a good story yeah. on its own. Absolutely. Well, I, what I like a lot about it, and um, I was a little apprehensive at first, but I really love the direction they went in it uh, tonally. Is that it feels more like a detective or mystery, yeah, um, show rather than a straight up sci-fi or even like a Star Trek like I mean they're getting into more of the Star Trek stuff now with the ship and everything on episode 4 and whatnot. but it really does feel like a like it's a mystery you know you've got the part where Dodge comes and then he's trying to figure out what the hell's going on with Dodge and then she dies it's very noir right yeah. yeah it's got and so it's yeah it's got a really excellent tone that I, I wasn't expecting I was going in expecting to be like watch the first episode and then just be like I can't make it to the recording you know, but I loved it. I've uh... Jason, would that be a good point to bring up Star Trek in a post-expanse world? I think that's a perfect segue, Colin. Thank you. So, yeah, actually, uh, that's a really good point. So one of the, the kind of takeaways, I guess, I had, this feels, and you guys, you know, give me your thoughts, correct me if I'm wrong here, but this feels very expanse-like, and I say that in a good way. I feel like this, it's very much Star Trek. It still is, but this feels like Star Trek that exists in a world kind of post-Expanse. And when I say that, I mean post-Expanse, not coming out as, you know, a book, but Expanse coming out as kind of, I think, one of the uh, front runners or like torchbearers of this type of really like heady, complex sci-fi or good sci-fi. Um, I don't know. I feel like with the way that the storyline kind of bounces between, you know, you've got the the Earth storyline at first, and then you've got, like, the Borg Reclamation Project, and you've got all this different stuff going on. You've got these kind of conspiracies in the background. Like, to Miller's point, yeah, it's kind of like a mystery, but I almost got that kind of vibe. Like, okay, the people that are writing this or working on this are definitely fans of The Expanse. It's it's interesting because it's like, to me, you almost see this property that was very much influenced by Star Trek is now in turn we we brought this up before in other casts but you're seeing this old property influence a new property that we've all come to know and love and has kind of become the new thing and that has in turn inspired the old property so the cycle kind of continues the yeah. circle goes around again I think it's for the better I, I would never say that Picard's like aping the expanse but I think it took the influence of the expanse and brought it into this world. What do you guys think? That's yeah, that's a very interesting thought because <clears throat> when when you take anything that's a uh, book media and you uh, kind of distill that down to a film or a show, you're obviously going to take what you think is visually more stimulating and able to be transferred out of that story, and then use that as the medium. So, it's like you said, it's a, it's an entirely different beast on its own almost, even though it's the same story. Uh, and the, the fact that it's gone as long as it has, it's obviously made an impact on the sci-fi community. So, that has definitely shaped what people want to see out of sci-fi in the modern age. And I think that has shaped where... I think that's where Picard has succeeded in where Discovery has kind of failed in a way. Even though Discovery was somewhat, you know, successful, but I think this is different for sure. Yeah. Um, 
I actually thought, like, at first I messaged Colin, I was like, I straight up thought Rios was played by Steven Strait for a second. He kind of looks <laughs> he like did. him. He, he fucking said that. He looks like him. The the hologram version. Yeah. The first one, the uh, hospitality version. And, um, looks like him. So, like, I, I've, I've had, I had Expanse in my mind while watching this the whole time just because it's, we just came off of the Expanse. Mm-hmm. It's tough to not. Um, my roommate was talking to me. I was like, because I was telling him, I was gushing about this show. I was like, because I'm, I'm feeling this show, and I'll talk about it more later. But my roommate asked me, he's like, do you, he's like, is it better than The Expanse? And I was like, I think it might be. Not yet. Not yet, because it's four episodes in. still too early to call. But I think this this show has the chance has a chance of being one of my favorite sci-fi properties of all time, which is hilarious because as I've said before, I generally enjoy my Star Trek with Beastie Boys. <laughs> now, if we get Beastie Boys in this, it's fucking over. It's over. It's over. I mean, next episode I think is a Casino episode, so we might get some Beastie Boys. Dude, if it's Beastie Boys, I'm losing. My We're gonna shit. definitely hear Brass Monkey on that epi- next episode. <laughs> I'd say okay. So I wanna back to the back to the thing. So um, I'd say that what you're saying about the expanse there, there's kind of this subversion of star trek in a lot of ways um with this whole thing like um i don't know if this has been a theme before because i don't deeply follow star trek i caught a lot of tng but not uh, so deeply but you know picard being subverted from being the you know protagonist that's up front you know in the front protagonist of the entire series and kind of being this now he's got to kind of live in the shadows sort of thing that's weird to think about with me i don't know i don't know if that's something that's come up in tng it's a big theme of the show yeah is it okay Okay. the new one yeah i was no i was gonna say that's that's one thing that i've noticed is that like picard um picard becoming i don't know dishonored i guess i don't know uh but uh you know it's it's just so interesting because i'm not used to seeing that and so this is such a it's so divergent from the original show that it's almost like and I love it I love Sir Patrick Stewart because he's created a new character he's created a new version of Picard because I mean if you if you really watch when they go back 15 years before um, in the past it's so interesting because the way he plays Picard in that way as a young as a younger person the physicality, the way he delivers his lines, his attitude, everything about it is just like, holy shit, that's that's the Picard from TNG. I see that. And then you go to the next Picard, and you're like, that's a different character. It's a completely different development of a character that has the same passions and beliefs, but in a different situation. I don't know. That's what I, I picked up from it. Absolutely. And not just Picard, but, you know, I'm as I've said, I'm not well-versed in Star Trek, but... Um, Picard's not the only one who seems kind of, like, worn out by age. From what I know, Starfleet seems to have also been kind of worn out by age. It's Starfleet was, from my understanding, once this kind of utopian ideal of space travel and, and organization and, and partnership. And it seems to have now, and it just maybe it's the whole Federation as a whole. So... Our villains come from Starfleet well, now. Well, right. well, no, part of it. You, right. Well, that's what you I was asked me this at, question. You were like, "Was Starfleet always like that?" Right. And I said they weren't supposed to be. And I, I said in this case, their true colors have shown because the Romulans were their oldest enemy. 
well, I guess the Klingons would be their oldest enemy, but the Romulans are like right there. Sure. And there's just because they're the oldest enemy. They they make Vulcan. peace and break bread with the Klingons like early on in like in TNG and stuff like that happens. But the Romulans that hatchet was never buried until Star Trek Nemesis like that process begins but then this tragedy happens and it just ruins everything yeah it kind of just ruins everything of course and but Starfleet maintains this well we didn't want to help them anyways kind of thing of course and they were looking for an excuse to not and I wonder if that's going to come up where Starfleet orchestrated you know well, it seems like it's already going that but way. They, they like, didn't, got that. They didn't want to help. Yeah. Well, it seems like it's going that way. You've got that um, commander who's like sending. It, it's. It seems like there's already like Romulan deep ops in there. Well, it's so it's it's Starfleet CIA. Right. And and you know the, there's a great um, comic book that I've been trying to get everyone to fucking read. <laughs> but uh, this is an offshoot of that. Metroid it's, Other M. No, it's uh, it's an offshoot of that. In um, the book X Force recently, um, the X Force is pitched on this mutant island as the quote unquote mutant CIA, and Mystique calls Xavier disgusting for even pitching such an idea that this mutant CIA, the, the idea of a CIA becoming a part of a utopian society. Is, is an abysmal idea because that kind of contradicts everything you've gone for. And it's the same thing here. This star, this Starfleet security officer comes off very strongly as like a CIA executive. Like this seems, you know, she shows up in glasses randomly. She's asking questions. You know, she's obviously some sort of high-level intelligence officer. Furthermore, she's got she has assets on the Romulan side and whether they're actually working with her or not it remains to be seen but um you know it's it really does come off as a CIA and Starfleet which is kind of gross it really is oh okay so they have it they are probably going to do it at some point in the show but Starfleet does have its own intelligence branch um, Which is probably it's the smart fleet, right? You just say smart fleet. I did say smart fleet, dude. I want you. To, I, I want. I want to skin you. Uh, um, okay. Are you talking about the Romulan Star Wars? No, it's worse. Are you talking about the Romulan? Okay. Uh, the head of the security? small boys. Well, the head of security, uh, the head of Starfleet security, is Vulcan, right? But Vulcan and she's, Romulan she's are the Vulcan. same guy. Yeah. Um, um, and so that's kind of even even more of a I've never seen him in the of same a shock that like um, Peyton List. When Peyton List showed up, actually, I thought it was interesting. I love Peyton List. She she's been a regular on many CW shows throughout the years, and I'm glad she's finally getting a chance to shine. Uh, when Peyton List show, showed up, she actually when she was framed when she was framed at her profile. You can see her ears are rounded, but then she when she was framed framed at her front from a front with the uh, light in the background, it gave her ears kind of a weird form. I don't know if they did this on purpose, but Probably. I was like, huh? Probably. It, 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 it must have been, but it also might have just been her weird ears. I don't know. But it was, uh, it, it made her look Vulcan or Romulan. So I was really confused at first. I was like, who's, who is this chick? Is she, is she human or not? Because she's not acting human, you know, totally, but like she could also be military officer. And then she ends up being a Romulan. So I was really surprised by that. Thanks. Interesting, you got those vibes. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I was going to say that there is a intelligence branch of 
Starfleet called Section 31, and they're like, wear all blacked out clothing, and they, they're the ones who do hmm. like the uh, the unethical, immoral shit that Starfleet on paper can't do. They're the ones who do it like in the shadows kind of stuff. Sure. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that they actually explore that because they're going to do an entire Section 31 show. That's going to be the next CBS All oh. Access show. Um, it's going to be a spinoff of Discovery. But uh, So it's going to be like still oh, set in the earlier days. God, then. what is her name? Uh, fuck. Well, while you're looking that up, I think that's interesting because I, I feel like there's a larger story to be told here if CBS is willing to tell it, which is the story of... Um, the reliance on intelligence agencies for a government body like this, um, and how it how it can so easily corrupt a government body, you know, the CIA has has you know I don't want to get too much into it, but you can't talk about Star Trek without drawing parallels to the world because that was always kind of the point. You're supposed to talk about uh, ideal utopian society. And the CIA has always kind of been the antithesis to progress and the antithesis to unity. And to have something like that in a future utopian society is dangerous. And the way they're acting and the way they've got assets on the other side and the way it all seems to be kind of this big chessboard for the security officer is kind of just dangerous to the entire Federation and dangerous to progress itself. No, nothing will ever be fixed. Nothing with Romulus will ever be fixed as long as this behavior continues. And I, I hope they continue to explore that. Sorry, I, it's uh, Michelle Yao, um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cool, she'll, awesome. She'll be the series lead for nice. um, awesome. Section 31. So, so that that's interesting, though. <clears throat> uh, in Episode 4 the outfit that Picard is wearing was like it definitely gave me a vibe of still having that kind of cut of a like Starfleet uniform almost except it was all black like it had it was it had two patterns and at the top where normally your color of your uh what's the word I'm looking for not department but uh like branch station station mm -hmm. uh, the color of your station would be was like a nut it was also black but it was like a different fabric but it was kind of the same exact cut off like upper breast yeah. cut off on the shoulders like but that was um, really interesting so when you talked about that like being all black like uniforms with the same oh, starfish yeah. like that kind of made me think of that immediately I see what you're saying yeah they uh I actually I love um, what they did with Picard's wardrobe on this show. Mm -hmm. um, it's like somewhere in between like this just geriatric old man living on his vineyard, but also like as soon as it becomes like time for business, he kind of moves back into this more uniform type setup and what he wants to wear, which I thought was pretty neat. Um, uh, more of his like emeritus type admiral. He's no longer active, but he still tries to portray himself in that way. I don't know. Well, that being said, too, I think that kind of ties into another point I wanted to bring up. I really love the way that they kind of play with... They, they play with Picard's history, but also where, like, his current station is. So, like, what I mean by that is there are several scenes, and you guys may have picked them out, but I thought it was kind of cool, like, 
when he walks on the bridge of whatever the new ship is, and I never caught the name. I don't know if they've even named it yet. Or yeah, they did. Did they? Yes. I will look that up for you while you do it. Okay. The Normandy. So uh, it kind of looks like it, doesn't it? But, I, I, I want to say something on that, too. <laughs> um, but no, it was kind of cool because it, it's, it's just really like subtle environmental storytelling, but like when Picard walks to the bridge for the first time, his instinctive thing is to go towards the captain's chair and he kind of like looks oh, yeah. at it and then he like <laughs> stops himself and you see like Patrick Stewart kind of do like like a, a double take and then he's like oh no and then he walks you know past and then there's uh, I think later on in episode 4 when uh, they're talking about uh, um, I don't know if it's the part hailing where they're talking the about yeah it's hailing the ship and like he's ready to say hail it and then he kind of defers to uh, is it Rios? Yeah, mm-hmm. he defers to Rios. Like there's like little things like that to throw in. I think it's great. You know, it's the same thing with uh, earlier in I guess the episodes that we're covering. Um, I thought it was a great move. Like when he goes back to Starfleet and he says, "Here's my you know here's how I'm going to solve it. Here's my demands. Give me a ship. Give me a crew. Do all this stuff." And it's like. No, <laughs> I loved it. It was so arrogant, and yeah, it was, and it was such a good scene. It, but it wasn't. He wasn't trying to be arrogant. Is the important thing. Like he 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 thinks he's helping, and like actually, this is a good point for me to jump in and be like, you mentioned that they are obviously inspired by Expanse. I think they're also pretty inspired by Mass Effect Two. Like this has all the makings of Mass Effect Two. The dishonored commander um, gathers a crew together to go and stop a threat that no one believes is real. Like, that's all. That's it all right there. Spoilers for Mass Effect 2. Oh, Oh, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't see it? It's... What? It's been 20 years, Miller. 20 years. That was a PlayStation 1 game. (laughs) That was a... I remember playing it. I remember I bought Banjo-Kazooie and I bought (laughs) Mass Effect 2 the same day. (laughs) Mass Effect 1 was out on N64. (laughs) I won't go into spoilers, but... but Yes, absolutely. It was... uh, That whole scene where he's talking to Starfleet reminded me of Shepard talking to the council, being like, why do I... Why am I the one that sounds crazy here? These are bad things. They're holding. They're doing shit on Earth, and I gotta go kill them. So give me a fucking ship. And Starfleet's like no. Council's like no. And then sure enough, in this case, you know, Picard kind of finds his own way and gets a ship, but it's still through shady routes. And then the same way, Shepard finds his ship through very shady routes. And uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just Picard's characterization in general. Like, there's a lot of scenes, you know. I just I think it's great because I think Bill brought it up earlier, but like you can still see shades of the man he is and the man he was. But this whole other story and this whole other time span, like kind of it it took place without us. We weren't there to witness it as it happened. So now we're witnessing it through flashbacks and what they're choosing to tell us Mm -hmm. about what happened. But like it's interesting, uh, I think in I want to say it is episode four. Uh, where they're, you know, kind of back and forth. And um, I thought it was interesting, too, because they brought up a lot of uh, themes about, you know, like um, like segregation. You mm-hmm. know, you've got the whole Romulans only scene and he knocks a sign down and goes in and sits down. And, you know, he's trying to reconnect with these people, which obviously, you know, um, in, in this story, you know, it's a complicated relationship. It's complex. It's not black and white, you know. And I feel like just the, the acting and the storytelling in the scenes that kind of follow that, it's just great. You know, it really kind of sets this whole new universe up. And, and 
I love that they didn't go black and white with it. I love that it's it's complex. And I think that's where part of me wants to draw the Expanse comparison. It's very morally gray. And and like I said, complex. You come back to that word, too. Um, it's not trying to take any easy ways out. I think it's, uh, it's Picard of his own volition trying to grapple with what he views as mistakes made over the last few decades, trying to make amends where he can. And I thought there was one scene that was really telling um, when it, it's him and... Oh, is it Ricky? What's her? What's the character's name? Raffi. 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 Okay. So he's talking with Raffi in the uh, his quarters, which look just like his, you know, den at the vineyard. Mm-hmm. And um, she says, "No, we have to go to uh, free. What is it? Free. Free cloud. Free cloud. We have to go to free cloud." And he goes, "I might not be back this way again." So that's why we have to. And just like the look in Patrick Stewart's eye, Patrick Stewart's eyes was just. Yes, you know, he's selling it. He's selling the character. He's selling the struggle. He's selling the pain and the regret and the emotion of those last 20 years, really wanting to kind of make up for lost time. So I thought that was great. And I just love the the gravitas that he's bringing to his performance and that the writing is really, I feel like, doing a good job of doing justice by that character that I've loved for my entire fucking life at this point. Could you imagine being feeling responsible for the plight of an entire species like, he bears all of that, and he is the only person who bears that. Like, no one else, Starfleet doesn't feel responsible, no one is Picard. He failed, and he feels that only he failed. Like, he feels Starfleet failed him, but he, we learn from him resigning, that was, that wasn't real, he didn't want to resign, it was a bluff, mm-hmm. and they called it and said, bye, bitch. And, like, because of that, it's it's his fault that the Romulans are in this state. And it is. It's objectively, you know, yeah, it's, I'd say it's objectively his fault. Um, he didn't fight hard enough for them, and he failed. And, I, I, you know, Picard fails in the next generation, I would assume. Well, I liked, if you look back at episode four, by the way, yes, he fails all the time in the next right. generation. But I liked, it, I liked in episode four when that Romulan, formerly a senator, said, I was there when you made your case and you sold us all, but how dare you? You know, we're Romulans, we're... Uh, fuck, I forget the word. But they're proud people. Well, no, but they they could have figured out their own solution. Oh, resourceful. Exactly. Resourceful, resourceful yeah. yeah. Their, the ingenuity, they could have done it themselves. And they kind of blame Picard in that regard. Like, why didn't you let us figure it out? True. Kind of things. So. Why did why'd you have to play human savior? Yeah. And that's the thing. He played human slave savior and then walked away. So. <clears throat> to so. be fair, there was a massive orchestrated synthetic person attack on the uh, the entire Romulan rescue effort. True. That did throw a little bit of a wrench into plan. Which, like, we don't know anything about. I mean, not like, yet. Like, that's crazy shit. Like, there's all sorts of, like, uh, fucking, um, what's the, what's the group in Expanse called? Um... The Expanders. Book two. The Book Tours. Mm. Book two. What was book two called? Expanse Book Two. Caliban. Caliban's oh. War? That yeah, one. it's... it's uh, This whole synthetic thing reminds me of Project Caliban. Is what I'm saying. Like, this shady organization. Okay, or look at me like I'm crazy. Sorry. I just don't remember. Project Caliban, they're the bad guys, they do the proto-molecule shit. No, that was yeah. Protogen. 
Oh, well, but Project Caliban takes over after Protogen. Yeah, Project Cool Hand. Good lord, I don't even remember. Yeah. It's the doctor that Amos kills. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I'm i looking at you guys like I'm crazy. I had to watch seasons two and three before I watched season four. That's why I'm okay. confused. Um, That's why I'm like, I'm like, why don't you know this? That was like it's two like, and a half years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I watched it four weeks ago, so my bad, honestly. Sorry. Did we cover that show? Um. Anyway. <laughs> No, they remind me of that, though. Like, the shady organization, there's something going on. The, I don't know, Bruce Dern or whatever his name is out there. Bruce yeah, Dern. Bruce Hickox. Wow, Bill Hiccup. <laughs> I wanted to... <laughs> so I wanted to talk about Absolute Candor. Uh, cool. The, uh, the episode four. It was it, it was really cool. Can we talk about Eleanor? Sure. Do you guys remember Love Eleanor? Eleanor. Yeah. That was a pretty cool guy. Great kid. Yeah, see that story? Yeah, Space Warriors of Virtue. Did you, um, did you like that? Yeah, yeah, no, it was so cool. Uh, <laughs> Good, I'm glad you liked it, Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part uh, of me, little, is that what you want me to wear? Part of me thinks you you didn't like it. No, 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 no. Okay, so I loved, I loved that episode. I thought it was very interesting. I feel like Eleanor is a very weird character where do you guys how do you guys feel about well, eleanor okay. his space dad left so, him out mm-hmm. for a pack of space cigarettes so, he did picard i think always has i think he has this drive to be sort of a father figure to you know like he felt in a way he had to be the father figure for wesley crusher he felt he had to be this sort of father figure for his nephew uh renee no, Renee was the nephew. What Shit the fuck was the nephew's name? Whatever. Renee was his brother. Miller Picard. Um, no, he felt like he had to be the father figure for uh, his nephew, who was inspired to kind of follow in his footsteps and, you know, go be in Starfleet when his brother, you guys know none of this, but his brother said, fuck that. We're Picards. We we make wine. That's what we do. Donnie Picard said that? Um, and uh, tragically, I guess in Star Trek Generations, uh, Picard's whole like family dies in a fire. Um, but I think that's kind of what was going on with Elnor here. Is this is another chance for him to kind of be a father figure towards this kid who's like excited to like just go explore, you know? Yeah. So, and he left him behind. And he left him behind because that's just another failure for Picard. It all just kind of wraps up into it yeah, no. but I, I felt like I love that scene right after the the fight where he does all the spinny flippies and cuts that dude's head off like it, it, it would have been one thing if they just would have left that as is but the fact that they put a scene in where Picard says look dude that's not cool. Yeah, that's not how yeah. we do things. <laughs> yeah, like that was, cool. that was another I, I feel like scene where uh, kind of what I was getting at before like that character that captain picard as we know and love him was like that's him coming through like Mm -hmm. doesn't matter where we're at now doesn't matter what the parameters his mission are doesn't matter if we're not you know uh, official like that's not how we do things so i feel like to colin's point that is him kind of leaning into that father figure wanting to be a good person or or trying to do the right thing so i enjoyed that It, it was very much a moment of like i don't need your approval you left and you know that's the end of that story he walks off and he comes back and is like, yeah, but look what I can do now. Like, He here, became a warrior of the wind, out. and now this he can is, do it. Yeah, I want your approval now. And so for Picard to be like, that's great that you're so strong now, but this is how we're going to do things. Like, I'm not done teaching you. Well, cool. uh, 
I don't think it was him like, look what I can do now, let me show off. It was, they, they played in this whole thing of like the oath and swearing the sword to the cause. And at that moment, off camera, he had decided to swear no, his sword I, to, to Picard's cause. And at that part, Picard was in danger. The cause is in danger. So he's just... But I do waste. think he wanted to show off a bit. I think he wanted to show Picard that he okay. was he was fine without him. You, I mean, you, you're. I would love to. Your dad walks out and gets space cigarettes. Not doesn't Death come sticks. back space for fourteen camels. years. Sticks, you're all ripped now. You got sword skills. No one starts you're a warrior of the wind. <laughs> you, you're a warrior you're nun. Twel- your twelve moms told you how to do the thing. You're the best warrior you're nun. Your twelve nuns, but they won't let you be a warrior nun. Yeah. And Dad comes back and says, "Hey, want to go out with me and get some space cigarettes together?" Oh God! <laughs> and at, this, at this point, I want to read uh, say, the comment on my any and my and, and and you like you want to say yes because you love him and you respect him and you want to spend time, but also fuck him for walking out for fourteen so you need to years. Ma- for fourteen years, so he needed you think to he make- smoked all those cigarettes in that time? <laughs> he needed to make a statement, and his statement was that he can chop guys' heads off now. Yeah. So yeah, don't Dad. walk out again, Space Dad. I hate you, what Space Dad. Dad. You only like off. because I can chop people apart. There, there was a point in in between the joke, so listeners can find it. Well, I hate you, Space joke. Daddy. But now before, look at me. Before we move off this scene, I just wanted to add this. Um, <laughs> Did you guys catch? Joking. Did you guys catch the sci-fi cross sections Easter egg that they put in? They put one in for us. They did. Where, where so, they right before the Romulan's heads cut off, he actually says "magnanimous." Oh, right, I missed right it. Before. Thanks, Alex. That's so yep. nice. Uh, Holy shit! So wow. thank you. Um, yeah. We should have copyrighted that soon. Yeah, I yeah. will be expecting but, uh, my check in the mail. Well, you yeah. know what? This episode still isn't sponsored by anyone, so talk to us later, Alex, if you want us to pitch this we're, show. We're holding off for John Truly, but... Uh, yeah. uh, I have a question for you, Ash. Sure. John Luke Truly. Okay, I, I was um, just going to run into... Um, no, you actually, have a comment, right? I do have a comment. Uh, Sound works. I, I asked, uh, Sorry. I asked people on Facebook what they thought about um, Star Trek Picard, just in general up to this point. And uh, this one I love. It's fine. Everything's fine, except the mustache twirly Romulans. They're less fine. They're very CBS. But killer nuns are fine. Super fine. The main cast is good. Michelle Hurd and, and Santiago Cabrera are super watchable. Picard is fine. He's still Picard. You know who is super fine? The Exorcist and Housekeepers. <laughs> <laughs> They're the show CBS failed to give us. Tune in next week as doddering retirees solves local mysteries and killer domestics. That's <laughs> it says murder. He's captain's logged. Word. Captain's logged. <laughs> um, yeah, that's from my brother. Word. Which, which, everything he said there means he actually really likes the show. Hmm. By the way, we haven't talked about them, but <laughs> the two ex-assassin housekeepers mm-hmm. are some of my favorite characters, yeah, and I hope fun. they keep coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I also want to say that Santiago Cabrera is also um, well, the actor, but he's uh, one of my favorite characters because mm-hmm. I love that he plays like five different characters in two episodes. Yeah, That's kind of cool to me. That, is cool. that shows the skill. Mm-hmm. Of an actor, um, you yeah, know, they were wonderful. I did want to, I, I, I did want to talk about them, and then I forgot, and I, yeah, I actually forgot them before. Well, I, before you asked us, but what? 
let's say to crunch four episodes into like an hour. No, of for analysis sure. This is tough. So. I'm I'm just glad they're okay, but I'm worried that he left them home alone. That's all. Nah, uh, they're ex assassins. They'll be fine. Yeah, they're definitely wearing lampshades on their heads. Dude, right when now. okay, I think it was episode three when they got into that fight, the gunfight at the vineyard. Yeah, I great. was fucking scared. I was like, "You kill one of these fucking well, right? people, and no, I same. quit." I I'm loved, turning this shit off. I loved how many guns they had hidden in <laughs> right. that office right, right, too. Right. Like, oh yeah, the the armchair that he sits in. Yep, there, there's a, a, it's a blaster under there. It's, just it's like, a gun table. Yeah, it's great. A gun like, desk. Like at first, you're like, "Oh, are these just two Romulans he brought into his home because he felt." Super bad about everything that happened. For guns? No, yeah, I no mean, shit. well, yes, but <laughs> I think they're there more for Picard than Picard is there for them. Oh, for sure, they'd be fine without him. I think they. I think there's. Uh, I think there's a certain level of understanding of like what Picard did for them, tried to do for them, and I think that perhaps there's more of a story with like how much they worked together that like is kind of not told on screen. But I think it's told in how they care for him because it's more than just housekeepers. They they care for him as they would a father. It seems in many in many instances. Like I mean, the the uh, the guy or what? No, it was the woman. She she yells at him for going to space. You know, despite mm -hmm. the doc. She she knows the doctor didn't tell him that he could go. And she goes off on him. Oh, I'm sorry. You're too I'm sorry. To get the you brought it up, and I kept what trying is to, it dementia? I kept trying to bring it in, but then I would forget about it. They straight up mention his parietal lobes and the issue with it. What is the parietal lobe good for? Retention of information and spatial awareness. What does that mean for this entire adventure? That oh, Picard so he is can't right even now? go to space because he doesn't know it's there. He doesn't yeah. know oh about God. space. He doesn't know about space. He has no spatial well, no, but, awareness. No, but seriously, it, how much do we know of what has happened in Picard so far is actually true? True. Oh, <clears throat> oh you think oh, he's Picard like is that. sitting in his study with a snow globe, just like. <laughs> I think he's going somewhere. I think he is going somewhere. Snow Enterprise. But, you know. I think that's a lot of the bounds of uh, CBS All Access. What do you mean? They're not heady enough. Doesn't seem like it's their style. I think it's that's to the... subvert an entire series by. I disagree. No, I think, I think CBS All Access is trying to make can. shows. That I'm not saying they can, but it, it. it's also like they're playing with a lot. It's a legacy here, and to I think mess with that. I mean, they're messing with it already. They well, it's not the... gonna be like it was all a dream type of thing, but I I think that there's more than meets the eye, especially with Picard's mental health. I think there's gonna be more. Well, they've more hinted than... at it. I think what's happening is happening. I don't think it's you know it, it there, there's going to be mm -hmm. some sort of you know weird angle they're going to play here. The way he absolutely, what however because it's already been renewed for a second season, so oh, yeah. we know they're coming yeah. back. But I think before Picard is said and done, how you know whether it's two seasons long or it's six or seven seasons long, I think that's going to play into it because they've already there's been a lot of kind of hints at the whole Borg thing and how you know. Certain things are affecting certain characters or the potential for it to. I think he basically more or less said, yeah, I, I was kind of aware it's kicking the can down the road and that this was going to, you know, come up again at some point. So we know it's coming back. There's a lot of foreshadowing there. It's just a matter of when. Um, one point I want to bring up really quick, because I think about three minutes ago it was brought up and I wanted to say something on it. Um I think Ben brought it up, and it was a really interesting point, kind of made me think about it a little bit, as a difference between Picard and like a show like The Expanse, as far as characterization goes. 
I feel like the characterization in like the expanse it's really deep you know we've had seasons to learn about these characters so we've been through a lot of different events with these characters and we've seen how they've kind of weathered these storms and handled these things but i feel like a strength of picard so far is that the story for as good as it is it, it seems like it's very tight and it also seems like it's very kind of weightless in a certain sense and i don't mean that like it doesn't have substance i mean that it, it's very kind of just you know they they go from one thing to the next and it's very not that it isn't substantive like i said but it's very it's tight it's tight, it's tight yeah. storytelling it's exactly every, every minute counts every line counts every character counts nothing is extren is is uh not extraneous so um, yeah but I, I i totally agree with you but we basically we haven't been through there hasn't been a ton i think in these four episodes of like straight character development we've been introduced to a lot of characters but we already we're already on board with the characters if that makes sense like between the new characters that were introduced old characters brought back Picard kind of where he's at it's just I don't know I think we haven't really seen many like uh, turns yet we haven't seen characters that maybe we liked or trusted betray anyone or we haven't seen any of that type of stuff yet I'm sure we will you know we're fairly early in the season yet but I don't know. It's just it's interesting that they were able to do so much just in the first four hours of the show. I feel yeah. like that's a testament to how well it's written. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different <clears throat> because I think you know that that's who knows will this have the opportunity to build up those stories and those experiences over four, five, six, seven seasons? Maybe. I mean, remains to be seen. But I think the fact that it's been able to do as much as it has in such a short amount of time is a testament to the potential um, of the series. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm really excited to see where they go with the remaining six episodes of this season, um, especially after the introduction of two characters, uh, one being Seven of Nine. I don't know if she'll be a series regular, but how she helps Picard's journey on this season, I'm really interested to see. How they know each other? Yeah. Because um, she was on Voyager, right? Not on uh, Well, okay, so Voyager, spoiler alert for the entire uh, series, but the last episode, Don't the ship gets back. It comes, <laughs> it comes back to the Alpha Quadrant. Sure, but like um, Picard's not there, right? Right, like, but I mean, at this point, all these people are famous for like these these characters true. are famous within the Federation for yeah, getting okay. back. Uh, Janeway becomes an admiral. They even show her in Star Trek Nemesis. She has a cameo as an admiral. So. It was like a big deal when they showed back up. So they've probably met before, but we'll likely get a flashback um, regardless because that seems to be what they've been yeah, doing every episode. Yeah, oh yeah, they'll they'll do that. And also, the uh, director of the Reclamation Project is from season five, episode twenty-three of Star Trek: The Next Generation. That is Hugh. They find a Borg scout ship, which is one Borg surviving, and the crew of the Enterprise get him, study him, and they give him his individuality. Yeah, I recognized then, him. I thought that was really cool. And then release yep. him back into the Borg. What happens when we take this person from the collective, make him an individual, and I think that's what happens to that fucking Borg cube. Mm. I think that's why it got cut off from the collective and everything. Yeah. Corrupts it, yeah. sort of thing? Yeah. He In, corrupt- a, according to the Borg. Yeah, the Enterprise <laughs> did that, I think. I think they're going to explore that in this show, so... That completely just like we got to. We'll talk. We'll probably 
we we're kind of running out of time, so yeah. I don't want to get into it. But the whole Romulan Borg scene—that's crazy. That with, shit was nuts. Uh, with oh man, what's her name? Soja. Soji. Soji. That whole scene with with Soji and she was speaking with the Romulan Borg blew, was out of control. Like there was so much subtext going on. There mm-hmm. was so much, so much like like foreshadowing, so much story. The are you the are you the twin that lives or are you the twin that dies? Oh, this mm-hmm. was fantastic. And then she calls her the destroyer. And I don't know much about Romulan, you know, mythology. Nobody, I don't know. If nobody that's, does. That's the best part. Okay, awesome. So there, there's full range. You mean the this. news? The news. Yes. Nope. <laughs> it's great. It, I I'm so fucking fascinated by this shit in a way that I'm not. Like I, I, I'm ashamed of myself for never going back to watch Star Trek before, and, and I you never will. But that's oh, I will now. No, I will because honestly, at this point, like, like I know, I know, star, like not all of it is like this. I know storytelling has evolved in a way since the eighties. They, they, they tell what used to be told in an episode in a whole season now. Right. That's <laughs> that's, that's what uh, but, modern television is. Uh, Yes and no. But I just think that this is some of the most fascinating television out there right now. And if you're not watching this, you're missing out. Yeah, you big old idiots. In fact, if you're listening to this, why are you not watching it? But Jason. One last point, because I feel like I know what we're going to segue into next. Yes. As we should. Um, I just want to say I was giddy like a little goddamn schoolgirl. When episode four started, and I saw that it was directed by Jonathan Frakes. Oh, oh yeah! Yes. Oh, that was. I think I texted you, Frank yep. the Snake, and I said, him. "Holy shit, Jonathan Frakes <laughs> directed episode four. Right. Be- because frosted well, frakes. I, I mean, <laughs> there, there was some stuff in a trailer that was that we know is coming up. That was pretty damn cool and I'm very excited about it. I won't say it because I don't know if everyone's seen it but I'm like girding now waiting for this to actually come to fruition but like just the fact <laughs> that like you never say that again girding what? girding yeah. do you know what it means I say girding five six seven I'll, times a day I'll, I'll give a le- five, I'll give, six seven times I'll, an hour I'll give a lecture on what girding your loins actually means it's nothing Wrong. Yeah, it's Mark. putting like a, a giant girder in your loins. <laughs> no, it's like it sound. Yeah, Mark, put on your girdle. It for actually once. dates back to uh, ancient times. But, your, but your to, to me, I guess. Oh, I thought you were still laughing at Frosted Franks. <laughs> <laughs> I was for a while. Okay. In, in my TNG fanboyism, I've always been like a, a huge like Riker, Jonathan Frakes fan. Like, I just named my fucking cat Riker. Yeah. I've always so been. So that's that's a reunion that I'm very stoked for and excited to see mm-hmm. but the fact that he actually directed an episode of the show so, that ultimately at this point I think was probably my one of my favorite episodes thus far out of the four like that's cool because it takes it to five. yeah it takes it to like a whole other level like these are people that and I don't know if you guys saw the, the trailer I'm talking about but like these are people that they're friends like they, they went through this this uh the show together, they went through this, you know, uh, piece of entertainment together, this cultural touchstone together. But like, 
they all love each other. They're, it's 30 years later, they're still friends. Well, 20, see, 20 years from the last film, like, they all love each other. Did I, you see Patrick Stewart ask Whoopi to be in yeah, season two? Yeah, which yeah. is great, man. I mean, the same thing. It's like, great. it gives me that, like, oh, you know, that happy that happy feeling that I chase, you know, <laughs> these days. I think we all do. Like, if anything can make me feel happy like that, it's great. You, you do realize, like... Jonathan Frakes' proclivity for directing. By the way, he directs. He directed TNG he, episodes. Oh yeah, he did that. He did Voyager. He's done Discovery. Right, but I, I just think it's Discovery. great that we're seeing we're seeing that already. So four episodes in, he's already directed two. You know, we yeah. we know the next episode he also did. So and like, I've seen the teaser of like the interaction you're talking about, and it looks so warm. And I'm oh so my god, man, I got <laughs> literally goosebumps. Like goosebumps. I was like almost getting like teary eyed and just like. That's cool. But the fact is, I know, based on how they've handled everything thus far, that it's going to be handled with grace, and it's going to be handled well. You know, it's going to be handled the way that it should. So, All right. But before we get into the good sci-fi. The big sci-fi, small sci-fi. I think Bill raised his finger like a couple minutes ago. Mm -hmm. I never... It just never came back to you. Oh, I'm sorry. There's a microphone like where Bill's head is. So yeah. I, oh, can't see over there. Oh, it's all good. I was just gonna say that. Uh, has anyone ever seen the show Dallas or heard oh, so of the show mm-hmm. Dallas? So this wasn't important. <laughs> <laughs> there was an entire okay. season no wiped sprints, out. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> You're cut off. Okay, so just just really really quick. So I imagine Patrick Stewart or Jean Luc <clears throat> Picard uh, waking up in a hotel room, and uh, Data comes out of the bathroom fresh from a shower, and he's like hey what's wrong he said and Picard's just like I had the weirdest dream and then Data comes up and hugs him and says it's okay it's okay it was just a dream so so loud so like we don't need to like point out for some people (laughs) for some people in this room we really don't need to hear what they like like if it didn't come up it probably was just that (laughs) Um. (laughs) but it was very important Uh, okay so it's okay ben we're gonna go around the the dream (laughs) go around the table and you guys are gonna give me good sci-fi bad sci-fi i think i know everyone's answer but Ben. Yeah. Um, I had a realization while watching this. Mr. Little Billy Jarvis. <laughs> age, what's oh, his age 29. Now? What's oh, his age wow. again? Age 29? Yeah. He grew up fast. Mr. Little Billy Jarvis likes sci-fi that makes him ask questions, which is fine. You know, like, great. If you're pretentious, that's a great thing to think. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> That's two. But I realized while watching this that I like sci-fi that makes me feel human. And if any show does this, if any piece of sci-fi has done this, what the fuck is wrong? You hate the human race. But makes but I like I hate the human race as it stands. I love humanity as it could be. I think he just became a Star Trek fan. <laughs> He's beginning anyway, to believe. It makes me feel it makes me feel human in the best ways possible. It makes me love for characters that I meet in the first forty minutes, and when they disintegrate, I scream out in anguish and go, "No, that's not fair." 
I love characters that I shouldn't probably like be allowed to love because I didn't grow up with them in the way that you did, but I sit there and watch Picard do his thing and I'm like, this dude is the greatest dude in the world. This is incredibly magnanimous sci-fi, and if you aren't watching it, you're a loser who probably doesn't have a loving wife. Thank you. you say wife or life? Wife. Okay. <laughs> Knife. Jason. Well, there's no way I can top that, so <laughs> I don't want to do my monologuing thing. I know I've done that enough this podcast and every podcast, so I just basically want to say, you know... I went into this hoping that it was going to be good. Like, I just wanted it to be good. And honestly, one of the rare times where a, a property surpassed my expectations totally blew me away. You know, the first 20 minutes of the first episode, I was hooked. I knew it was going to be good. So far, that uh, episodes have just kind of gone by and really fulfilled something I think I was looking for out of sci-fi that I really have only gotten in, you know bursts when a new expanse season comes out or whatever you know i mean i think this is right on par for me with being up there as you know some of the best science fiction that we currently have uh i, I guess to consume and i'm excited to see where it goes I, I, this is one where i thought okay yeah i'll watch four episodes maybe i'll watch the next four when they come out but now i'm gonna watch it every week uh, as long as uh, Colin's CBS subscription. <laughs> you know, I always tell myself I'm going to cancel it when, like, a season's over. And then I'm I'll, like, I'll give you a dollar. Oh, there's, another, there's always another reason to fucking keep it going. So Yeah, but it's it's great so far. I mean, I'm really happy with, like I said, how they executed this. Uh, I think it's a show that leans on nostalgia without, uh, you know, existing solely because of it. It's telling its own story. It's doing its own thing. And it's doing it with the strength of its convictions. Nice so, monologue, Jay. What, Thanks for yeah. not doing a monologue. What, what, kind, what, kind of what can I say, boys? I speak in monologues. <laughs> Fantastic, magnanimous trademark. <laughs> trademark. Mark out. Trademark. <laughs> uh, so I had a, kind of a similar thing to Ben. <clears throat> um, honestly, ever since he brought that up, Bill, as a kind of parameter of sci-fi dissection, I've I've really used that as a as a kind of benchmark for how I look at modern sci-fi and kind of rate it as well. Uh, and the more the more content that I've gone through since then, it's made me think that that isn't like a a standalone parameter, but it definitely is, it should be part of you know. I, I, it's not make or break. Right, exactly. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so, in that in that sense, there were some things that I that I nothing broke ground as far as science fiction goes in this. It's just a good story in a sci-fi world. Uh, the only technology that really jumped out to me that was new was the uh, when they showed the. Uh, bridge in San Francisco and it had all the solar panels on it because they don't use the bridge anymore thought that was really cool um, but otherwise I mean I wouldn't say it's discounted as sci-fi because it doesn't break any new ground but I think it's really interesting for sure uh, good sci-fi good show alright thanks Mark um, I'm going to be very brief uh, 
I fucking love this show. I mean, we all know that my criteria is to explore what it means to be human, and nothing does that better than Star Trek. It's how it's always gone. It's how it's always will be. So, uh, I fucking loved it. This is great sci-fi. I'm so happy it worked out. It's the same feeling I had when Mandalorian ended up working out. I was like, thank you for treating a property that I love with respect and just moving it forward. So, Andrew. Um, bad sci-fi, bad show. Cancel it. Sci-fi podcast over. No. You're uh, such a contrarian. <laughs> Good lord. No, yeah. Uh, filling the Ben Young role today. Uh, no, I, I loved Not it. contrarian. I, yeah, uh, sure. Uh, I loved it. I wasn't expecting to love it. I went in thinking, like, I'm probably just not going to watch any of this. Like, just cancel my CBS All Access subscription. But I really ended up liking it. Uh, I love the direction it's going in. Um, makes me want to go back and, like, finish TNG because I've watched a bunch of it. Um, I can't remember where I left off, but makes me want to go back. Um, already have plans to watch uh, the rest of this series with Rachel. So, Oh, good. Yeah. Um, for the record, uh, just a disclaimer. You guys don't have to watch the first season of TNG. I will. It's so fucking bad. I hear about and not actually important for the story of the series mm. that you do not need to watch it. I hear pre-beard and post-beard, but like I still would watch. It I mean, no, Riker is always series. Riker. It's I mean, let's fun. just be honest. We're thirty years removed, and he has a beard. That's all you need to know. <laughs> okay. Um. So yeah, there's that. Uh, there you have it, folks. That is our take. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I think he's just so used to he ending on so me. He had so much more to say about Dallas. That's actually fucked up. Understand. I am so he used had to so on much Miller. more to say about Bryce Dallas Howard. Bill, I'm sorry. To be fair, Bill, Bill ran upstairs to get a Sprite. So, <laughs> guys, it is going to take me a few weeks to get used to the seating arrangement. Sprinted to get the Sprite. It's been months. <clears throat> Thank you, Colin. Um, I just wanted to uh, say, Ben, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you and the horse you rode in on. Okay, so what I wanted to say was this series have, has raised so many legitimate questions. Oh, my God. It's been fantastic. <laughs> I don't know why everybody says, like, oh, it doesn't make me ask deep questions. Yes, it does. It has, I mean, think about the androids, you know? Think about what they did and how they were a tool. So um, so just th think about what the androids did and think about, like, how they fulfill the role and life versus the android and, like, what makes us human. And it's, I feel like you and I could be very Dharmic and Jalad at Tanagra right now. And I feel like we could, we could just, you know... We could bury the hatchet here and just say, you know, I, I feel like there are good points and bad points, and uh, and I think it's a fantastic series, and I think it's good sci-fi because it does make me raise questions about myself. So, sure. okay. and also I wonder if the whole thing is just a dream. So, no, I, sh I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. Should have just skipped this. I'm sorry about that. This is still part of Marty's fever dream. Yes, it is. Because <laughs> oh, he is the ultimate time god. Uh, all right, folks, there you have it. That is our take on Star Trek Picard. There is so much more I wanted to talk about, but we just do not have enough time. we got six more episodes in the, in the night. Yeah, well, our second episode will we'll cover all those things. Uh, does anybody have anything they want to plug before I end this bitch? Catch Once Upon a Tavern Sundays, 5 p.m. Central Standard Time at twitch.tv slash onceuponatavern underscores instead of spaces between the words. It's for Dungeons & Dragons. We play live four hours. It's really good, and I'm determined to kill someone over the next four weeks, so tune in to find out who. Um, and on top of that, uh, I know some of us have kind of been coming up with ideas for other podcasts we want to bring your way, so we might do that. It won't be 
sci-fi cross-sections, but some of us will be there doing that, so look for that in the next couple months. We'll see what yeah, happens. Once Upon a Tavern is coming as a podcast, too. So. Oh, that's right. Thank you. Um, all right, well, if no one else has anything to add, I will say until next time. Brand of uh, Everybody dance um, now. That's just a brand. Earl Grey is not a brand. Earl Grey is a tea. Super hot. Save it for the tea. Super hot. I agree. Hot. Uh, Is that Earl Grey brand bang? Did you say words just now? Is that a bang? It it was just a word salad. Nice last preserve server. Are we going to go? I'm ready. Fuck this chair, dude. Holy shit. Yeah. It looks nice, though. It's very er- it was, ergonomical. It's very comfortable. It's very man. ergonomical. For all the viewers at home, Ben just kicked that chair's ass. Jonathan Frakes oh, directed oh. some episodes? Oh. Yeah, Direct buddy. Oh, wait. Oh, we're going to get into that. I gotta, shut up, Mark. I got the cast. I gotta, that's my whole big point. <laughs> I got to crack my crispy boy. He's got to crap his crispy crappers. Gotta, crack into a Sprite. Snap into a slim jam. <laughs> He's taking a hit. He's taking another hit. The delicious taste of Sprite. The uh, taste of Sprite you Enjoy might expect. Enjoy the Sprite Spritzer. That's refreshing. Sprite. It's exactly what you expect. Sprite. Drink it and also buy more. So, mm, so much lemon. So much lime. All right.